Welcome into the Snapped Podcast, my personal audio journal. My name is Tyler Kluber. I'm a personal trainer and podcaster, but it gets a little bit deeper than that. And this show is going to give you an inside look on my thoughts concerning health and fitness, business, mindset, and creating the life that you feel lucky to live. I hope you enjoy the show. Sit back, relax, and let's have a day. doing it from the dark today if you're watching the show you aren't watching the show but if you were i'm in the dark um had a couple people reach out and say how much they enjoy the snap podcast so that's weird and odd and to be honest don't even know how you found it um i might have mentioned it one time on the on the walk-on podcast I do, that's obviously much bigger with a larger audience. Um, I don't even know if I ever said the name or anything, so my name just must pop up. Uh, in like, oh, you may be interested in this if you listen to the Wash Up Walk-On. So, appreciate it. Pretty cool. Um, today's going to be another short episode. It is not going to be about my personal um, day-to-day workouts and training. It's going to be more general and broad, probably something that I think applies to basically anything in life and really just some rambling thoughts for the day. Y'all, y- you okay with that? Okay, let's fucking get it. All right, let's fucking get right in. Let's dig right in. Um, if you're part of the walk-on army, and know what that is we have a patreon drake and i we do a podcast where it's a little bit more unfiltered it's less about iowa stuff and more about life and just comedy stuff like that just shooting the shit for an hour every tuesday it's called dickhead tuesday and we do it on tuesdays obviously hence the name and uh yesterday was tuesday Congrats, now you know how a week works. Today's Wednesday, yesterday's Tuesday. Oh, everybody knows that. So we were doing the podcast yesterday, and we obviously have the unique background of uh, being around, training with, being friends with, having the contacts of many current, former, and future uh, pro athletes, mainly football players. Uh, through our time at the University of Iowa. One of those being potentially one of the bigger superstars in all of the NFL, George Kittle. And Drake is close friends with him and has been training with him in the offseason as they prepare for, uh, I think they have some stuff this month, maybe for a week or so, and then they got some more off time until camp starts in July and uh, Drake doesn't do any more football training, which is uh, very heavily based in the traditional weight room sense. Um, But he, he has started to just because he's working out with George and uh, we were talking about how 
Drake simply isn't that guy anymore. And how his training has shifted to jujitsu. And completely changed as far as what physical exercise and exerting himself and the specifics of the techniques that he needs to use, the training methodologies, the inspiration, the motivation, the structure in which he needs to be prepared uh, physically in the weight room is different. No longer does he really need to do a lot of front squats and jumping and uh, speed and agility drills. Um, it's jujitsu specific. Lots of conditioning. And he mentioned how he wanted to be. Oh, sorry with the yawn. Today is going to be one of those days. Um, he mentioned how he wants to get his black belt in jujitsu in six years, which doesn't happen even for like the best people. And I don't even, from my understanding of jujitsu and the people and the way he's explained it to me is if you're doing it right and you go through the right schools of jujitsu, um, you know, the, there's almost like a gatekeeper to the belts, right? They kind of decide there is no like standard that you have to hit. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, you can do this move, this move, this move. Congrats. You're a blue belt. Congrats. Now you're a black belt. You <clears throat> you met this, like, very defined uh, criteria. The people who are black belts, teachers, masters of jujitsu, ninjas, I think they call them. They hold the key to just, okay. I feel that as someone who is well-versed in this sport and um, martial art, I sort of have the power to give a belt when I see fit. And I don't think you want to be given that belt until like 10 years. I think it's sort of like, hey, you just kind of, it, it's a, an hours thing. And there's people who do more hours of jujitsu than Drake and who take longer to get the black belt. But he th seems to think this is all irrelevant. He seems to think that he can do it in six years, which got us talking about how success in anything, almost anything, is largely based on the amount of time you spend doing it. This is good and bad. For many reasons. Mainly, it's good. Because it's nice that when you care about something and you put um, effort into something, you take time and you spend oftentimes money and resources and mental energy and all the above on something you care. It's nice to know that your success or how far you go 
or your ceiling, whatever you want to define that as. It's nice to know that that's based on your effort level. Simply putting in the work, right? Now, that's not the whole equation. I know a lot of people that could long snap, and I'm going to reference several different things in this podcast to, to, get, to sort of lay a foundation, a picture, if you will. But I, I know a lot of people who I, you know, that could long snap every day for the rest of their life, and it would take them a very long time to get to where I was in four years of practicing long snapping and being a long snapper and would potentially not would potentially there, there is a ceiling for everybody, right? You can't just use that principle and say, Oh, if it's all based on man hours, well then if I reach 5,000 hours, I'm going to be as good as anybody else who's reached 5,000 hours. It doesn't work that way either. Cause there's probably some people out there that long snapped more than I did. And I was just better than them. And there's probably some people out there who could long snap for 10 times the amount of hours that I put in and they would still never be as good as I was. I happen to be, you know, that, that very specific thing on this place we call earth in the society of, that we live in where we have a sport called football and there's a specific position called long snapper. And this is what they do. That happened to be the, the thing that I was good at in life. At least one of the things up to this point, the thing that I am most good at relative to the population, arguably top 100 in the world at one point, not that there's a lot of people outside of the United States that are trying to be, but nonetheless, you line up all 8 billion people on the planet and I come out in the top 100 of long snappers, or at least I did at one point. There are other factors like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that long snapper carries a lot of genetic predisposition, but there is a, you know, there are some athletic factors that go into being good. But a lot of things are genetic, right? This goddamn psoriasis on my elbow is genetic, probably. That's a complete sidebar. We'll talk about that some other time. Um, I don't know if it's psoriasis either, but it sure seems like it. Um, you know, LeBron James, pretty genetic, right? Usain Bolt, good genes, right? Serena Williams, look at some of these people who are just the best of all time. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. The equation checks out there, right? There are a multitude of factors. But LeBron James's genetics, we're only going to take him so far. Serena Williams, Usain Bolt, the genetics only take you so far. You then have to add in factors like man hours, right? Which I believe is, again, the reason for this episode and the most important one. You have to put in the work. 
I think a good analogy there is you could have the best goddamn pizza ingredients on earth sitting at sitting on your uh, on your island ready to be made into a delicious pizza. But if you just let them sit there and you don't do the work to put the pizza together, the pizza is going to taste like shit. <laughs> I mean, you got to actually work with what you're given, right? That's actually a great analogy. So, you know, the, the ingredients will get you so far, but in the end, you have to put in the work. Kobe, LeBron, Michael, thousands of other great players at the professional level of whatever sport they're in. Tom Brady, you name it, Pat Mahomes, any of those guys. Yes, they have great genetic predisposition. They got lucky throughout their careers, whether it be a little bit lucky, a lot of bit lucky, lucky multiple times, right? Luck is a factor. They happen to have a passion for what they're doing, right? And then they put in the work to get there. I think it's probably those four factors. Luck, passion, predisposition, and work. Those are probably the four main factors. You may be able to add in um, resources into that, into that equation as well. So call it a four or five factor equation, the main ones. And there's a million others that probably fit into those categories. But those are like the five main categories. Were you genetically predisposed in some way to be good at this skill or XYZ, this sport, this tactic, this business, this area of life, whatever? Is there something just about you that you were born with that helps you get a, gain a slight edge? Do you have a passion for it? Because you could be born, you could be born like LeBron James, but just fucking hate basketball. You're like, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> like, I'm good at it, but I do not want to do it. In a, in a small way, um, a very, very non-relevant way. That was me with baseball. I was pretty good at baseball. Um, I don't know how genetically predisposed you are with baseball. There probably are several things with, you know, just how generally hard you could throw a ball, your hand-eye coordination, um, reaction time on you know, several things, mainly in the batter's box. I was pretty good at all of them. And not only that, I was a damn good catcher. Um, I just hated baseball. So the result, you never get, you never really see the fruits of that labor. I quit in eighth grade and was more than happy with it. Um, so are you genetically predisposed? Do you have a passion for it? Right. Were you given the resources or in a position of resource to foster getting better 
and advancing in whatever your thing is, right? Did you have money to play in the AAU tournaments, to play travel ball? Did your parents take you to private lessons? Did you, you know, did you grow up in a household that supported you both emotionally, physically, all these different things, right? Resources. Did you get lucky, right? Luck is involved more than um, probably a lot of successful people would like to admit and more than a lot of unsuccessful people would, uh, would like to know, probably. When I do interviews you know, for Iowa stuff about, oh, you know, and those are dwindling. I will not do many of those as time goes on. But during my career, before my career, shortly after my career, when we started the podcast and this company, the brand, um, it was like, tell me your story. How did you end up as a Hawkeye long snapper and blah, blah, blah. And almost every step of the way, I got really lucky. Like I will tell, I tell people all the time, like I just have had, I've had one of the luckiest runs like that you could have. Um, things fall in the right place. You happen to have a good day on the right day in front of the right person. You meet somebody on the street who, you know, wasn't supposed to be there because they were getting coffee, but this, that, the other happened, you know, like the nine 11 stories where they, the alarm didn't go off. So they didn't make it to the world trade center, that kind of shit. Did you get lucky along your way? And that gives you an edge here, there advances your career in some way. And then finally, the biggest one, did you put in the work? And this final piece is the biggest one, not only because it's the most workable, it's the one that, can, that you have the most control over, right? Your predisposition, almost zero control. Luck, zero control. Literal direct control. Like I, I can make a decision to control this variable. We're going to get to indirect. Um, passion. Eh, you might be able to alter passion a little bit if you, you know, if you tinker and find ways to really enjoy something, but you're going to be passionate sort of about whatever you kind of naturally drift to. I don't know if there's a whole lot you can do to like, I'm going to make this my passion. No, you just enjoy what you enjoy. And resources, yeah, you can, you know, you can maybe make some decisions along the way that put yourself around better resources. But, you know, as a kid, for sure, there's not a lot of change in those. And then, you know, you're lucky if you get to along the way. But the work that you put in, there's time every day. Every day there ticks around another 24 hours and there's time to put in work. And you can alter that. You can put in no time, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week, 40 hours a week is what a lot of people work for their jobs. 
or maybe 40 to 50 hours a week, 40 to 60. It's the most controllable. And because of that, the work that you put in by proxy starts to open up the other things. You unlock the other four things by controlling how much you put in the work. How many man hours you can commit to XYZ, whatever your thing is. I'll give you an example. Let's go with the long snapping example. So I can control how much work I put in. But that work opens up all the opportunity for the other four. Okay, so genetic predisposition. Somehow, some way, I think there's something to this with long snapping. It's very interesting. There's multiple brothers out there, um, my brother included, who picked up long snapping pretty quick, pretty easy. In fact, my cousin is uh, the long snapper for his high school team, going to be a senior this fall. He's pretty good, probably D2 worthy, maybe better. Um, my uncle was a Division One long snapper. So somehow, someway, it's in the blood, right? I, I don't know what it is, but all four of us picked it up just like easy peasy. Um, when I started, granted, there was maybe half of the, uh, the pool of kids in the country trying to compete for these spots, but it was still very competitive when I started long snapping, right? I dabbled with it freshman year in high school, um, sort of saw the writing on the wall that I was going to be taking over that position for the varsity team the following year, as well as middle linebacker. So I was like, oh, I should probably work on this a little bit. And after freshman year, I kind of realized I'm not as good at linebacker um, and probably don't have that natural ability, natural genetic predisposition as far as speed and size at linebacker to make the division one level. So let's go after this long snapping thing a little bit. Okay, so we go to a camp. Resources comes into play all right check the box number two my family we were not well off by any means um at this point in my sophomore year my mom had only actually been working a full-time job for four years at this point i think in seventh grade Sixth or seventh grade was when she got a full-time teaching position. Before that, she was just a part-time substitute teacher. Stay-at-home mom during my younger childhood with me and my two brothers. So we had been working off of a single salary, teacher salary. My dad, also a teacher, coach as well. So a little extra money there. Did some landscaping, you know, yard work under... Um, you know, for, for clients in the summer during his off time, right? So just not a lot of money rolling into the Kluver household, but enough, right? Parents who loved me and cared about me and wanted me to succeed, 
So they shelled out the $350 and filled the car with gas to drive me up to Wisconsin to take me to a long snapping camp, right? Resources. Pair that with the genetic predisposition. It's a camp where you get ranked. Boom, bada, bing. The rankings come out the next week. I start my journey at 11th in the country. That's just how naturally good I was. And there wasn't like 17 people doing it, right? I wasn't just like, oh, you're 11 out of 17. No, there was like over 100 kids, maybe even closer to 200 kids across the country who had gone to this, you know, local, they, you know, the camp travels. So they go and see, you know, I think they called them uh, showcases, like regional showcases. So there's a South, a Midwest, an East, and a West. And after the four showcases, 160 whatever kids go total, and they rank everybody one through 168, and your boy comes out 11th. Yeah, there's a little predisposition there. Maybe even call that a little bit of the luck factor. Oh, by the way, super lucky that my uncle, who I mentioned, who snapped for Iowa State, happened to be the snapper for the guy who runs the kicking camps, Jamie Cole. Cole's kicking, right? Lucky as shit. Happens to be a family friend who lives in Ankeny. <laughs> Luck, resources, genetic predisposition. Well, you throw those three together without me ever working at it hard or having a passion for it, I'm already, God, years ahead of other kids and 11th in the country. Over the course of the next two years, that work factor and a passion for it, I'm not, I'm not going to say the ultimate passion. I wasn't, you know, I'm not, I don't run a long snapping website and try to, I, you know, I haven't tried to create my own long snapping camps and teach other kids to long snap while I have helped other kids. Long snapping is not my life passion, but for a while it became a main hobby passion of mine because I saw where the potential was like, oh shit, I'm 11th in the country. If I look at the two classes ahead of me on this website for this kicking camp and I look at one through 15, one through 20 the rankings for those guys and where they ended up going to college to do long snapping. Well, they're all going division one. Holy shit. Is that my future? And honestly, that might've been the moment where I realized, wow. Okay. I'm 11th in the country. The top 20 long snappers ranked by this service every year, find themselves a D one spot. Guess that's what I'm doing with my life. And then under that assumption or that hope or that desire or, you know, that unfulfilled potential legacy, I added in the most important factor, the most important variable. I worked my ass off at long snapping of football. I spent 60 to 90 minutes a day, every day from that point forward for the, for basically the next two years from the summer going into my sophomore season to the summer going into my senior season. 
any day I could that was nice out, I was snapping 75 to 100 footballs. And if it was cold, I was probably still out there snapping 40 to 50. And if it was snow on the ground, um, you know, winter in Iowa, I was snapping inside the gym after basketball practice. Man hours. Variable that is able to be controlled, the work that you put in. And the passion was there for it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to get better. I logged every rep. I was meticulous. I had intent when I did it. Those are the things that come with passion. You're not just going through the motions. You're doing it for a reason, with a purpose, with a plan, with an end goal. I was the perfect fucking candidate to find a division one landing spot. Now, even further than that, oh, what's just so happens to be the case, but Iowa has a long snapper who's got one year left as I graduate. And then they're going to be looking for a guy. And I just step in. Division one football, you... I mean, nowadays the transfer portal has kids thinking they, they're going to play right away. But I just step into a role where, oh, I get to sit behind a senior, learn Big Ten Division I football and how things work for four months, August through December. That guy's going to leave, and it's just going to be my job. Little bit of luck there, huh? Kind of lucky. That the school that my dad went to for a couple of years, the school I've cheered for my entire life, the school I want to go and where the, the dream just so happens to also have the perfect situation personnel-wise. Oh, and by the way, that senior summer I was talking about, when things had come to an absolute peak, I'm, I'm working every day, I'm going to camps. They happen to not have a specialist camp, which sounds unlucky. But that means that nobody went and worked out for them that summer as a specialist. Nobody. No kickers, no punters, no long snappers worked out for Iowa, except for one did. And it was me. Because I contacted them and said, hey, saw that you're not having a special teams camp this year. Could I possibly come to one of your position camps where they have the quarterbacks, tight ends, and all them come in? Could I snap before or after one of those camps? Give me 30 balls and I'll prove that I'm a, that I can come snap for you guys. They were like, sure. So I'm in Kinnick at 18 years old. Uh, no, I'm in Kinnick at 17 years old. And I happen to be um, running around in front of the coaches in 2012, summer of 2012, snapping footballs out on fucking Kinnick Stadium. And I'm the only one who put in the work and had the passion to reach out and say, hey, I want to come do this. And then when the time came, and it was a windy fucking day, I tell you what, when the time came, I went out and I did well when I needed to. Throw all that in the pot, stir it around, let it stew for a little bit. What do you get? Well, you... You get what happened. You get a 
by all means to the public eye, a almost perfect career. You get the perfect fairy tale story. A four-year starter, never missed a game from the day I started to the day I left. Went almost 100% as far as good snaps go. To the naked eye, I messed up two in four years. Played in four bowl games. Got to travel all over the place. Play in almost every Big Ten stadium. Meet a bunch of different people. Wear the name on the back of the jersey. Fairy tale. But there was a lot of luck, predisposition, and overall work. I was able to go out and perform in Kinnick because I worked my ass off for 700 previous days before that to go out. And when it was all on the line, the coaches eyes were all on me. It's windy as hell in Kinnick stadium. And I've got a half deflated football and they're having me run sideline to sideline to practice being tired to get my heart rate up, which I've never done. And I'm still snapping good snaps to this coach. It's because I put in, reps it's because i put in reps that i was able to go that senior year in fact two or three weeks later and my average day was about as good as anybody's and i happened to have one of my better days two days in a row and I end up winning the top camp, the showcase, the national showcase, the biggest camp of the year for specialists under Cole's kicking. And I win an automatic bid spot to be in the Under Armour All-American game. Work gave me, put me in a position to experience that opportunity, which only grew my personal brand as a long snapper. At that point, I had not committed to Iowa. And so that opened up the recruitment to Miami, Auburn, Alabama, uh, Cal. The work got me there. Where am I going with all this? Well, Drake and I basically landed on the fact that if you put in the work and it's going to be tough, there's other things in your life, especially as you get to be an adult, right? That will be, I'll have more to talk on that subject as, as we, you know, in about a month from now. Um, there will be a whole other sort of element of that uh, that'll be relevant, but there will be things. There will be other um, responsibilities. There will be work. There will be family, kids, other hobbies. You have to choose 
And almost before you even go down that journey of, hey, I want to be the best at this, or I want to at least see what my potential is in this, you have to make that mental decision, that non-negotiable contract with yourself that I'm going to get whatever I have to, whatever I deem, the plan that I deem necessary to reach my potential in this, I'm going to follow and execute that plan regardless of what life looks like otherwise, kids, family, work, whatever. A very, very simple form of that is, as you guys know, and as this is a heavily based CrossFit podcast and has been over the last two months with me doing my competitive season, and now my goal for next season being trying to compete to make a semifinal as an individual, which places you in the elite of the elite CrossFitters in the world. There isn't a, like, you can't take days off from the plan. Now, because we're specifically talking about fitness and working out, there are days off in the plan. But if you deviate from those really at all, you're leaving meat on the bone. There's too much room for air there. Lauren does travel volleyball. My wife, we go to fucking, where'd we go? Kansas City for a four-day tournament, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Well, there isn't just four days that I get to take off. Now, luckily, Saturday... Uh, we leave fr Friday, right? So I can get my training in before we leave Friday. So that's one out of four days. Cool. Sunday is a total off day. Great. So that's two of the days taken care of. But Monday and Saturday, those are work days. So Saturday, I was in the fucking gym at the hotel for 90 minutes. Getting it in. And then Sunday, even though it was an off day, I knew I was going to be traveling and not really able to work out on Monday. So the Monday workout got moved to Sunday and Monday became the off day. And we put the work in on Sunday too. You get it done regardless. It is, it is the guiding principle damn near in my life is you make things non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. And when you do that and you pair that with the, the, the willingness to show up and just put in the man hours and it's, again, I, I've mentioned that it's tough. It's not just tough because you have other responsibilities. It's not just tough because putting in that work is maybe just simply hard right? In, in my case, doing some of the workouts that I do is just straight up physically challenging. But there's a wear and tear to that as well. There's a wear and tear to I have to get up and do this again. And tomorrow I'm going to do it again. And the day after that, I'm going to do it again. And I don't know if I'm going to get to where my destination uh, ideally is. 
I just have to wake up and do this over and over and over. And then when the time comes, we'll see where I'm at. And that's hard to trust. Hard to be motivated when it's, when all things say, hey, take an, take an off day. Don't put in the work. But you have to put in the work. You have to. Because it's the only thing you can control. Go put the work in. We'll talk next week. Peace.